Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bears. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. On this episode, we're talking about shot placement on black bear. This is a very misunderstood topic, and we often relate in this podcast to ideology that people are coming from an understanding of white-tailed deer shot placement and then coming into bear hunting and applying those same principles. And there's several places where they just don't totally cross over. I believe that this is probably one of the most densely compacted pieces of information about shot placement on black bear, probably around, so you're going to learn something. Spring bear season is quickly approaching. Last podcast, we talked about a very wide swath of information about spring bear hunting. I wanted to make two quick corrections from the last episode. Number one, there is no spring bear season in Nova Scotia. There is a fall bear season. I had a listener from Nova Scotia contact me to let me know that, so I want to make that correction. Secondly, the only western state that we left out of the list that has a spring bear hunt is Wyoming. Wyoming has a quota hunt, and we listed all the other states except for Wyoming. At the global headquarters right now, we're working on the May and June issue of Bear Hunting Magazine. 
And we're also working on a new video that's going to be released sometime probably in the next week on our YouTube channel about a, a brown bear hunt that Billy Moles did. So we're having we're going to have a new episode of Bear Horizon out and a new issue of Bear Hunting Magazine coming out soon. Thanks for checking this episode out. You're going to enjoy it. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. We are at the global headquarters of Bear Hunting Magazine. It is March the 27th, and we are going to have a couple of episodes here where we're going to just get to the nitty-gritty technical side of some very relevant bear hunting-related topics. The topic that we're going to talk about on this episode is shot placement on black bear. And we're going to get into several different topics that are highly relevant. But before we get into the episode, I want to introduce who I've got with me here. I have directly to my left, Ryan O'Greb. Ryan Greb. Ryan is a, a longtime good friend of mine. And Ryan was killing bears while my mama was still wiping my nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> you're crazy man. <laughs> now ryan is ryan's traveled with me all over canada but m- more than that ryan's hunted in arkansas for years ryan's been on the podcast before but uh he's he's hunted bears in arkansas since well for years and years killed a lot of big bears bow hunted bears a lot and so i consider ryan an expert for sure so He's here. And then, on my right, someone that, you well, Colby's been on this podcast before. I've got Colby Moorhead. Colby has is now news to all, everybody. He's working full-time for Bear Hunting Magazine. So Colby is also a longtime friend of mine that uh, is now, he's full-time working for Bear Hunting Magazine, helping us with all kind of stuff. So if you ever call the global headquarters, you'll probably talk to Colby. And Colby is a bear hunter. He's a new bear hunter. Went on his first bear hunt back in the fall and took a really nice bear. And so we've got a good mix right here in that um, we've we've got a lot of experience, but also, um, you know, Colby's new to bear hunting. So you might have some questions or you might hear us talking that might have some insight in something that somebody else might have. I just feel sorry for him that he has to hang with you here in the office. Yeah, during the day, <laughs> every day, all day, yeah. and he's right underneath the big bear over here. You need to make him a cubicle over here where yeah. he won't have to look at you. Like box him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can box him in. But well, hey, let's let's jump right into this, and I'll kind of give the precursor to why this is relevant. Most people in North America, most of the guys that are listening to this podcast have been trained on whitetail deer anatomy for shooting, well, for shooting any big game. We've been trained to hunt ungulates, deer, elk, moose, that all have a really similar body structure. They have a similar bone structure. They have a similar um, anatomical organ structure, but they also have short hair. They don't have big layers of fat. And so basically, shooting a bear is different than shooting an ungulate. And there's lots of different variables inside of it that are important for a first-time bear hunter or even a veteran bear hunter. 
I mean, the truth is that in most situations, and Rye, would you agree with this? Most situations, if you just took a deer hunter out and didn't tell him anything, he could probably go out and shoot a bear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and not have any problem. But in the finer tuned points of bear hunting, and if you took that same guy, and this is the way I would describe it, if you took that same guy that was trained as a whitetail hunter and put him on 10 bear hunts, I'm going to say three of those 10, he's going to mess up simply because of lack of understanding of a few principles. Yeah. I mean, is that a good, is that a good? Yeah. You know, a bear posture is constantly changing, you know, Uh, you're looking for that broadside shot more often than not. I mean, deer, that's preferred shot anyway, but a lot of people take the quartering away shots, but you know, bears, the. If you can get that broadside, that's uh, usually money. Yeah. Well, let's start off by talking about bear anatomy. I read a a article that was written very recently that was circulating on uh, Facebook. Clicked on it. It was about 10, 10 uh, I think it was 10 things about spring bear hunting. And one of them was about shot placement. And this this author said that bear organs are further forward than a deer which i want to quickly say is exactly opposite of what i have found yeah not just in what i've read but we did the first year i had bear hunting magazine we killed we went up to alberta and we killed six bears in five days we actually did a necropsy on a bear where we took the carcass with the, all the internal organs inside and stripped off the layers of rib or the, the stripped off the rib meat so that you could see into the rib cage and tried to determine like where the lungs would lay out. And man, we made some incredible diagrams that were in bear hunting magazine. They're also online. And to make a short summary, bear vitals are slightly further back than a whitetail. Would you agree with that? Ryan? I agree. Yeah. So there, so let me just say that is a the, a big premise of black bear shot placement and brown bear for that matter. The vitals they're not it's not like they're just like in the middle of the body, but they extend slightly further back. I found that the lungs of these bears went all the way back to the very last rib. Which if you can imagine shooting a whitetail at the very last rib, you'd be pretty far back. Yeah, liver. You you would stomach. kill that you'd kill yeah. the deer because you'd get liver, mm-hmm. but the lungs of I mean the very tip of that lung and I'm not saying that all the way back at the last rib there was eight inches of lung that's not what I'm saying the the lungs are like oblong shaped you know they're like they're like long and deep towards right. the front of the animal and they go back like this mm-hmm. and so the back to the very last rib there was a little bit of lung so i'm not saying that's where you want to hit them the second part of that colby has some experience with this colby you really made a mistake by shooting a bear far back on the first hunt ever with me yeah yeah you were like the prime target to just make an example out of but you got the right posture for it here i'm I'm glad i could take on that for everyone oh man it was on (laughs) video it was all there but for whatever reason and this perhaps is it, it has to do with the 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 anatomical structure of the bear but you can shoot a bear further back than a whitetail and be okay 
There was an article that we had published a few years years ago called Middle of the Middle, which there are a lot of Canadian outfitters that tell their clients to shoot a bear in the middle. And I think the way it started out was they said, hey, shoot the bear in the middle. And the client said, what do you mean the middle? And the guy in the outfitter goes, the middle of the middle. I mean, straight up middle of the bear. And uh, what this article is written by a guy named Rob Nye, Saskatchewan outfitter that I know. And uh, he was taught that by some other old outfitters. And, man, when you shoot in the middle of the middle, you have a lot of room for error. And that's the whole point of it, a lot of room for error. Now, I do not suggest – I don't like shooting them in the middle of the middle. I like to go about four inches back towards the shoulder from the middle of the middle. And when I say the middle of the middle, I'm talking about the distance between the front legs and the back legs. I'm not including, like, the head of the bear. Right. But, like, middle of the middle, I like to go about three to four inches back towards the shoulder. So slightly further back than than you would, like, try to heart shoot a bear. And that's maybe the biggest thing that's different about bear bear hunting versus deer hunting is that as deer hunters, we were always taught to try to heart shoot a deer, okay, which would be low and tight. You don't want to do that with a bear. Do you agree, Ryan? I agree. You've got all that hair hanging down below. You know, that hair could be two inches long, could be four inches long. So definitely you want to try to get it, the vertical line in the middle of the body. Yeah. You the 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 problem with low and tight on a, <clears throat> on a bear is that what Ryan said. Imagine a big mature boar that's got two inches of fat beneath the rib cage. He's also got uh, hair that's at l- a minimum of two inches, mm-hmm. but could be hanging down as much as four inches. And so, what you perceive as the silhouette of the bottom of that bear is actually probably six to eight inches above that would be vital. And so a, a veteran bow hunter that was hunting with me at one time who had taken a lot of whitetails with a bow, I mean a lot of whitetails, bear hunting for the first time, and he just tried to heart shoot this bear, I mean just low and tight, and he tin ringed right where he was aiming. We never found that bear. Totally hit it in the brisket, and he was fooled by the, the silhouette of that bear. Um. Now, have you ever have you ever hit a bear low and tight? I don't think I ever have. Now the 2016 up at uh, Bear Pro Safaris, you know, I shot that one low and back, but I've never shot one low and forward. Okay, I wasn't sure if you had because I have another story of a friend of ours here in Arkansas that had a monster bear come in, and it was just kind of one of those deals where I think he would say he was probably just on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And was just trying to heart shoot it and shot low and tight. And it was a big bear, so it was exaggerated. Long hair, lots of fat, thick rib cage. And so, I mean, he just basically shot the bear in the brisket, where if it had been a whitetail, he would have tin ringed it. That's a big deal with black bears that you don't want to do with archery shots. It's low and tight. You want to be further up. And number another thing is that, a bear doesn't jump the string like a whitetail. I mean, especially with the with video and all the stuff on that we're seeing now, almost 100% of the time, these whitetails are dropping at the sound of an arrow. Even if you still kill the deer. I mean, like, we've killed all these deer with bows, not on film, and you just you kill this deer. Those deer are dropping a lot 
Yeah. Sometimes yeah. dropping 16 inches before the arrow gets there, like a 30-yard shot. Whitetail is a prey animal. He has a flight response to danger, a massive, quick flight response. A bear has some of a flight response, but not near as much as a whitetail. Would you agree? In yeah. terms of dropping and yeah. going. He, he's not on pins and needles all day long like a deer is. Right. You know, Thinking he's going to get eaten. He's an apex animal and probably stays relaxed you know, most of the day. So um, he's probably not sensing a lot of danger. And so the translation of that into bear shot placement is that you don't have to aim low. Like as bow hunters, we've been taught to aim low on a deer. Man, you don't want to hit low on a bear. No. Because that silhouette is so deceptive. And I would say that's the those are the biggest things. Like if we're talking about shot placement, slightly further back than a bear, don't be afraid. Most people aim so far forward because they're afraid to hit so far back. Because in the whitetail world, we have been preached to our whole life, don't hit them far back, don't hit them far back. And honestly, I would rather hit a whitetail far back than I would further forward. I think people that that has been preached to us so much because guys have really not been very good blood trailers. That's the truth. I've found that inside of my excursions inside of other hunting circles is that guys sometimes make a shot that they probably could recover that animal, but they really don't have the skill to blood trail that animal and so a marginal shot all of a sudden becomes a marginal but mortal shot becomes an unfound deer and obviously i'm not suggesting shooting deer far back at all but that fear that's been put in us to hit an animal too far back has pushed us forward to the animal but with a bear you can be a little bit further back a little more forgiving little more forgiving if you're hitting in that middle of the middle or, you know, that, that mid section. Right. Colby, tell us about your bear, just kind of like where, about where you perceived the shot to be. Yeah, it was, um, it was a straight up gut shot. You know, I, uh, I was aiming like middle of the middle, but then he started moving and I was already in my shot sequence. So, yep. uh, so like vertically it was in the middle and I think that was what made things come together in the end. Right. It was just that, and then backing off for the night and waiting till the next morning to to look for him. But I mean, he was pretty riggered up; like he had died; like he'd been dead a while. Did you, know? you shoot a mechanical or a fixed blade? No, I was shooting a, a four bladed fixed. Really? Yeah, passed through. Trick. Yeah, it passed through. Oh yeah, passed all the way through. I mean, it didn't get liver; it was like way back. Mm-hmm. And um, we we backed out came back the next day and now granted this is a situation where somebody who didn't have a a lot of experience might have had a hard time trailing that bear i'm not gonna lie about that Mm -hmm. but Corey grant all terrain he's a good blood trailer Mm -hmm. and i mean we we just we found just spots of blood i mean just i mean it it was a tough trail don't get me wrong but the bear ran probably 200 yards 250 Mm -hmm. and um we easily recovered the bear I mean, we had to we had to fight for it a little bit. I mean, just in that there were times when we lost it, and we were going off a scuff mark in the leaves going down the hill. But I mean, you know, within forty five minutes, we were standing over the bear. Yeah, I think the thing that surprised me was when the blood stopped hitting the ground, and you just started seeing smudge marks on the sides of trees That's and right. stuff. Yep, you got to you got to use everything in your arsenal when you're trailing any kind of animal. Yeah, like if we had just been looking for bright red blood drops on the ground, we would have never found that bear. But we were staying on game trails. 
we started splitting up, going down different game trails, and you you learn to look at the backside of all these leaves because this bear, and, and we'll talk about how bears are notorious with a with a not ideal shot. They're notorious for not bleeding much, but point is, we found the bear, no problem. That's what the, these middle of the middle guys say all the time. Is like they say they'd rather have a gut shot bear than a bear that was shot too far low and forward or shot straight in the shoulder you know because you are not going to break through a bear's shoulder with archery equipment i don't believe i mean perhaps there's a uh, you'd have to be very lucky to yeah you probably have to hit some kind of artery something to even kill something with a far forward shot lock at yeah and he's you know i've never trailed a bear and recovered one as far as colby's you know usually if you get trailed over a hundred yards that's really that's been your experience yeah yeah you know uh i've had some bad shots and you know i've trailed them jokers like you say 300 400 yards and uh on minimal blood never find them but usually a, a lethal shot on a bear you know 100 yards or less they just don't you know they don't carry their weight that far it seems All right like, you know they kind of give out quick if they're hit good. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into what I was saying about how an, how a bear bleeds and the importance. The whole point of this is going to be the importance of getting two holes with. So this would factor into the shot angle, but also your equipment that you're using. But a big priority with bear is to get two holes. So it goes back to what you said at the beginning. A, a broadside shot is what you want. A broadside shot gives you the shortest distance between two points when the arrow is going through. And even if the arrow is not sticking in the ground on the other side, but if the broadhead at least penetrates the skin on the other side, you've got two, two holes that bear is going to bleed more. But bears are notorious for not bleeding because they, are, they do have a lot of fat. They do have a lot of, hurt, a lot of fur, which is like a mop. I mean, it's soaking up some of that blood, not all of it. And, you know, if you just double, double lung, 10 ring a bear, I mean, he's going to bleed pretty good. But when you get into that marginal category, like with Colby's, if you had only gotten, uh, had one hole, didn't have an exit wound, you know, we would have had a much more difficult time finding that bear. Mm -hmm. But he, he was bleeding on two sides because we got that penetration and, so that goes back to on whitetail, a quarter and away shot is a pretty good shot. Yeah. It's a smaller animal, smaller bone, not as thick a hide, not as thick a hair. You could probably gonna, you know, you're probably gonna get a pass through and unless you hit that offside shoulder on a quarter and away shot on a deer. And I mean, we even look for a quarter and away shot on a deer oftentimes. Um but boy, you wanna get you wanna get two holes. The other thing about uh getting two holes is that most bears are being shot out of tree stands, especially in a bait situation. And if you get one hole from a high elevated position, that means your entry hole is going to be high on that animal, and that dude is going to bleed very little. Yeah. You need a lower hole. Yep. You know, that's where you're going to get your I guess you could set up a a dungeon type (laughs) setup where you had a hole underneath (laughs) And whether you're shooting up into the bears. Oh, man. Like dig a hole. <laughs> it's a whole new setup. You're supposed to laugh that cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Then your entry hole would be on the bottom of the bear. Yeah, he would bleed. That's for all those duck hunters out there. They can just you know yeah like a a duck yeah like a like a duck hole like a a, what what would you call that a pit a pit blind blind for bear bait yes yes well okay so getting two holes okay and that even goes into your equipment like we at Bear Hunting Magazine we are pretty much adamant about not using expandables for bear. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's going to be a ton of people that maybe even are listening to this podcast that will say they have killed bears with expandables, as have I. But I have heard too many stories and seen for myself too many examples of when they have not performed as well as a fixed blade broadhead. I mean, th- th- just by very principle, it does remove energy from an arrow for those blades to expand, large cutting diameter is going to cause more friction on that arrow, reducing the energy driving that arrow into the animal. If the whole objective is to get two holes on a big animal, I mean, a, a big white-tailed deer is maybe at most 20 inches to, I don't know, maybe a big Canadian deer would or big Midwest deer would be 24 inches wide. I doubt it. Like, yeah. you're trying to penetrate a block 18 inches. With a big bear trying to penetrate 30 inches, yeah. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Not counting the all the hair you're trying yep. to shoot through. Yeah. You know? The conclusion that we've come to is just that if your priority is to get two holes, it's best to use a fixed blade broadhead. Mm-hmm. And there's all kind of fixed blade broadheads. There's all kind of uh, cut on impact broadheads. I would rather have a small hole but have two of them than have one big hole. I've also heard stories of from reputable, reputable bow hunters and archers that they have seen uh, expandable heads get clogged up in hair. Like, like they hit a bear, had reduced penetration, killed the bear, extracted the mechanical broadhead to find it just covered in hair, like where it was catching hair and dragging hair into the animal. Do you have any experience with uh, expandables? I've killed probably half of the bears okay i've shot with expandables and had great luck i haven't had one yep. fail yet but you know i've been shooting a fixed four blade for the last four or five years but yeah you know in the early years when i first started bear hunting too i'd just shoot a, a three blade and yeah uh, you know it's all you about sh- no no I'd and not. see in a with a good shot like a broadside shot at a reasonable distance when you're not having a crazy angle i mean i agree with you, you could probably kill every bear in the woods with an expansion yeah i'm shooting high poundage you know i'm shooting yeah. right at 70 pounds and all my shots are you know 15 yards or less and you're trying yeah. to take that broadside and 90 percent of the time you are going to punch through you know the ribs did you get penetrate you got two holes a lot of pass-throughs yeah yeah yep. almost yep. Um, well, okay. Tell us why you're using a fixed blade head now. Just, you know, didn't really think about it then. You know, you want to dot your eyes, cross your T's. I can see, you know, a fixed blade. You are going to get that penetration. You are going to get that pass through on most every shot. So, you know, just trial and error. And I've got to where I feel more comfortable shooting a fixed blade, you know, uh, confidence in it. And like you say, I think, uh, you don't have to have the big gaping hole, right? And uh, you know, if you, can, I guess the question is, what do you gain by by shooting a expandable? You know, I guess the volume of the cut. You know, maybe you're cutting a few more arteries or, or something like that. But you know, 
there is always that thought in the back of your mind of that broadhead failing and not performing yeah. uh, like it should. Uh, fixed blade, you pretty much eliminate that. What you see is what you get. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, the the expandable broadhead is made for whitetail. I mean, it's a smaller animal, mm-hmm. not a lot of hair, not thick hide, not thick bones, and they're great. And if you get a marginal shot, and I've killed a gob of whitetails with expandable heads back in the day, mm-hmm. and if you get a marginal shot on a whitetail, I would rather be shooting a big, fat expandable. But they're really not made for bear. They're really not designed for a big bone, thick-haired, thick-fat animal. That be, so it's kind of, you know, you could kill every bear in the woods with an expandable. That's the truth. But I believe... And, and somebody that's as good as you, Ryan, and as experienced as you, I'm being serious. Like, you're not going to mess, you're not a good example for someone to show an expandable that's messed up. But I would say for the average guy, if he were the average bow hunter with, you know, I mean, there's all these different levels of experience that people have. If he was shooting expandables at 10 bears, it's going to cost him a bear. It will. In 10 bears, yeah. I, I believe. Yeah. And you may be on your fifth bear, and it's not cost you a bear, so you're still going. When, if you had been shooting a fixed blade, you'd have killed all ten. That's what I believe. And now, everybody's got to do what they think, but that's a pretty good topic. Let's talk real quick, too, about setup. A lot of people ask about archery setups for bear, and the question is, can I use my whitetail setup? And my answer to that is basically yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, like... I'm not. I'm shooting around 60 pounds. Uh, actually, the bear that I killed in Oklahoma this year, Batman, 550 pound bear. I was shooting a 50. Well, it may have been 60 pounds. I want to say it was the high 50s, just 10 ring. You know, no problem. I hit the ended up hitting kind of the offside shoulder. He had his leg down, so I didn't get just a complete pass through with him. Oh, really? Yeah. Ryan, was, you were there with me on the recovery. You know, that bear was crouched, and he had his elbow back like this. Mm-hmm. I hit him right here, and it actually went down through his shoulder and, like, was sticking down in his I remember, inside the hide, Yeah, but we, in his front leg. So when you gutted the bear, you found the arrow actually in? I remember we were talking when about we that. we went night. to recover James Lawrence's bear 10 days later. David Miller found my iron wheel broadhead on the ground. Really? Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was still. It's still kind of a mystery to me what happened because I never found an exit hole. But David Miller found eight inches of arrow in my 225 grain iron wheel broadhead. We were tracking. James killed a bear over there in the same place. Mm-hmm. We went over there and tracked it, and he came back and handed me that. And I said, "Where'd you find that?" Because David was with us when we recovered it, right. you know? I mean, so anyway, it, it, it was just a weird deal because, I mean, that, that bear's front legs were, you know, 10 inches in diameter. Yeah. So in, in that arrow, just at the steep angle. But point being, you don't need super heavy poundage. Ryan's shooting 70 pounds. What was your bow set at? 50-something. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were shooting pretty low poundage. Yeah. Average weight arrow. I figure your arrow weight, Colby, was in the four hundreds. I mean you're shooting a hundred gram, gram slick trick. Yeah. Slick trick magnum. magnum. Yeah. And that's a great head. Yeah. I, I mean I love a slick trick broadhead and have for years. Yeah. Um I did shoot the iron wheels this year, mainly because of my traditional stuff. Um, but 
if if you and I'm sponsored by no broadhead company, but if you just said Clay, pick your poison for broadheads, I would I'd shoot a hundred grain slick trick mm-hmm. magnum. Uh, now for uh, for compound, I've actually shot their Viper trick, oh, which really? is not a traditional, not not a not a traditional, you know, traditional archery head. If I can mm-hmm. put it like that, but. So the the main thing would be just getting the right broadhead and shot placement. It's not about having an eighty pound bow. So you can use your whitetail setup. People evaluate arrow penetration based upon kinetic energy. Momentum is actually the correct way to ma- to evaluate the possibility for arrow penetration. Mm-hmm. But basically, momentum measures a vector, which vector momentum measures the the directional force kinetic energy just measures force just like like an explosion almost just like just like it just measures how much energy is present in this thing basically what i'm getting to is arrow weight is more important than speed you know there was a time when in archery everybody's worried about speed you know it's just like shoot a really fast bow with a light arrow but a really fast bow with a light arrow does not penetrate as well as a slower bow that's shooting a heavier arrow Anyway, this is all nerd talk, but momentum is the correct way to measure arrow penetration, not kinetic energy. Didn't speed come from where you're wanting to get it there faster so the whitetail didn't duck as much? Yeah. 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 Like my dad, who who is bow hunted his whole life, he loves speed, and it's because he didn't want to have to judge yardage. He always wanted a bow that would shoot flat to 30 yards mm-hmm. so that just any deer that showed up in the woods of Arkansas, which basically most of the time you can't see much more than 30 yards. Mm-hmm. If a deer showed up, he just put his first pin on it because in his experience, shooting slow bows all through the seventies and eighties was he was missing deer because of misjudging yardage. They didn't have range finders. You know, they're good range finders. He had these range finders that like combined images. Have y'all ever, have you seen yeah. those, Ryan? Yeah. Where it's like you put your eye in it and, it and you dial it and it like combines the. That's old school. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so his whole thing was speed so that he didn't misjudge yardage. As I went through that, I was like, well, we, we've got range finders now. You set in a tree and you can range everything. So you pretty much know yardages for tree stand whitetail hunting or for mm-hmm. bear hunting. So I would rather shoot a heavier arrow and get more penetration uh, because I did have some mishaps with uh, not getting penetration with whitetails when I was younger. Okay, we've talked about bear anatomy. We've talked about shot angles. We haven't talked as much about shot angles, but like you you really don't want to take a super steep quarter and waist shot on a bear. Now, if that's all you have, you can certainly kill a bear that is at a cor- steep quarter and angle. But you're probably going to forfeit that exit hole. And so you just got to be prepared for that. You got to make sure you're on your A game. Ryan mentioned this earlier, is that one of the biggest differences between deer and bear is that a bear, first of all, is a black animal. Black, the color black is designed to absorb light and to not give away much. I mean, like if you just look into a black piece of paper, it's like all you see is black, but if you looked at a white piece of paper that maybe was folded just a little bit, like you could see the shadows. White shows shadows, shows shape. And so a black a bear can often look like just a black trash bag and you can't see where the shoulder comes up, you can't see the ribs, you well, can't no definition. No definition. 
where a whitetail, Ryan, has short hair, light-colored hair, has a very defined muscular body. I mean, you can see the shoulder. You can see the ribs. You can see the rump. You can see the muscles. So when you look through the peep on a bow at a whitetail, you can see right where you're aiming. A lot of times with a, with a big bear or a little bear, you pull up and look through a peep, and you feel like you're aiming at a black trash bag. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even inside of me having killed some bears, I still struggle with that sometimes at close range. Yeah. Like, close range, you draw, and you're like, holy cow. Like, in 2015, the bear that I killed in Oklahoma, I don't know why that one got to me, but I drew the bow, bear just right there, I mean, like 10 yards. And I looked through the peep, and all I could see was black. And I was looking around my peep to try to get a, you know, try to just figure out where my pin was. And I would lean back in and look and lean back in and look and Finally, I felt like I had where I wanted to hit. I shot, and if you remember, I shot far forward. I've had that same problem in low light conditions right okay. before dark. Yeah, you know, trying to see through your peep, and like you say, no definition on a bear. You want to make sure that body's not cupped. You know, yes. sometimes they'll roll them hips to the side and be cupped. Uh, that's not the best. Just wait for them to maybe expose that leg or just yeah. get you know completely broadside. But yeah. It can be tricky sometimes. Well, see, and that's that's the next point is that a bear can do a whole lot more stuff than a whitetail. Mm -hmm. A bear could be sitting on his butt. A bear could be standing up. A bear could have his feet up on a tree. A bear could be cupped. And that's probably, to me, one of the things that gets most people. We've made some videos about this. But a bear could look like he's broadside. But actually, his spine would be like in a U. A deer can't even do that, hardly. But like a bear could be appear to be broadside looking at you, but actually 80% of his vitals be covered because he's cupped like a, you know, I mean, like a like a dog. Well, that's that's not a good example, but in a half moon. Yes. Or or a, a lot of times with in baited situations, bears come in and lay down. Lots of guys have shot bears laying down. And again, you can do it, but it's trickier because those vitals are compacted. He's literally laying on his rib cage. Those ribs flex. And you, you know, shooting a bear laying down, you're probably shooting at a target that is 20% less in size than it would be if the bear was standing up. Would you agree with that? I mean, oh, like yeah. that, yeah. that rib cage would flex just a little bit, and those vitals would. Those vitals would compress. So basically, a deer doesn't just have the, the flexibility to do what a bear can do. So that throws people off, Ryan. Yeah. People, especially people that aren't familiar with seeing bear, as a bear comes in, he might be standing up. He might be laying down. He might be sitting on his haunches, you know, licking his bottom feet. He might be, he could do all kind of stuff. I've seen you do that yourself. <laughs> Sit on my haunches <laughs> and lick my feet. Yeah. yeah you know, occasionally. <laughs> That man, that's massively. When I first started hunting bears, I remember just kind of being like confused by watching a bear move, and I think that's kind of what freaks people out sometimes when they're hunting bear for the first time. It's just to see an animal that that's just different than what they're used to. Colby, was that your experience? Yeah, it was really surprising. Like first being so big, they're pretty pretty sensitive, or like they're pretty like. They know what movements they're making. It's like 
they're so articulate with their movements. Yes. I guess it would be this thing. They're definitely the the yoga animal. You know, <laughs> yeah. if you like to do yoga, the bear's your your yeah. spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ryan's big in the yoga. You yeah. betcha. The yogi. Yep. <laughs> One more thing. Let's talk about. So we most of what we've talked about here would relate directly to archery hunting. I do want to say that hunting with a rifle is going to be different. Now, bear anatomy stays the same. All the stuff stays the same in terms of the actual bear. But with a rifle, shooting a high-powered rifle, you're kind of in a different ballgame because you can shoot a bear straight in the shoulder, high in the shoulder, and just drop them. You can shoot a bear that's facing you. I would never suggest shooting an archery bear just head on. No. No. I mean, I I know it's worked for people. I mean, I'm sure it has. Yeah. But. Well, you know, bullet, you're getting that shock, that energy. Hydrostatic shock. You're shutting down the electrical system. Basically, shoot them in the shoulder, head on like you're talking about, uh, quartering away. A little more forgiving on uh, definitely a rifle. Right. So, with a rifle, I would have to say that. It would be fairly similar to a whitetail in principle. I mean, because you could shoot them in the shoulder, you could shoot them head on, you could shoot them quartering away. That wouldn't be a problem. Um, you know, you don't have to obviously judge for, you don't need to shoot low because they're not going to jump the string. I mean, so rifle hunting is quite different. And this podcast really isn't about rifle caliber, but a lot of questions about caliber of rifle. And it kind of goes back to the same thing with archery. You can kill a bear with a thirty thirty and a hundred and fifty grain bullet. I mean, there's lots of bear. Probably thirty thirties probably killed as many bears as any as any caliber. Just from the old days of when guys when that was a main cartridge. But you, the bigger the better. The bigger the better with uh, with bear because they are a big animal. You do want to hit them hard. Uh, you know, my gun of choice. Currently, for black bear, rifle of choice, a 300 win mag with a 225-grain bullet out of my my best of the West rifle. But I did want to just clarify that a lot of the delicate things that we're talking about in terms of shot placement for black bear mm-hmm. does include, is about archery hunting, not as much about uh, about rifle hunting. But, hey, closing comments or thoughts, Ryan? Um, no. let, let me ask you a question. What would you say would be the biggest mistake that you have seen first-time bear hunters or just inexperienced bear hunters make on shot placement? Biggest mistake? You know, bears aren't like deer. People are excited. They finally say, you know, hey, I've got a bear here in front of yeah. me. And, you know, it's in range. I need to hurry up and get take the shot. Bears are pretty patient, you know, especially on a baited hunt. You can wait and wait and wait for that perfect shot you don't have to be in a rush yeah you know a lot of people want to take that first shot opportunity right just wait for the the right shot yeah you know uh, i've made mistakes and you know not made the right shot but you know it's all about patience but i guess you know it just comes with experience so um more bears you get a chance to be around and and harvest you'll learn from that and take it to the next hunt but uh like i say just uh, be patient wait for the right shot opportunity yeah you don't have to be in any hurry that's a that's a great example because in whitetail hunting most of the time 
you have a very short window to execute a shot on a big buck. I mean, like take the first shot you get. You know, what I mean, like that's a that's a good ethical shot. That's that's kind of the way we're preached to because most of the time these animals are just moving through areas that we're hunting. Right. But especially on a baited hunt or even on a spring a spring hunt when a bear is feeding out in the meadow, you got time. Right. If that animal is feeding, he's going to be there for a while. So you don't have to rush it. So your number one thing with a first-time bear hunter, new bear hunter, would be rushing the shot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, I'm basing that on hunting over a a bait where the bear's occupied. You know, like you say, he's not passing through. Uh, You're going to have some time to, uh, especially if the wind's right and he don't know you're around, you've, you've got a little bit of time to play with and, like I say, the the right opportunity present itself. Yeah. Very good, Colby. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, those were the things that Corey told us or told me whenever I went up there. It was just you know to be patient and and make the right shot. And we were patient. I mean, watch, we watched that bear for a while, and the right opportunity was there. Um, I think one of the things that happened, I didn't realize he was he was moving. You know, that's right. And so I think what happened was I was looking through the peep, and like once I closed my other eye and just like focused on him, I couldn't tell that he was moving. Yeah. You know, because it was the right opportunity. He just started moving right at the wrong time. You so know? you probably hit right where you were aiming. Yeah. He just wasn't in the same spot. He, he moved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I think that's a good thing to to think about is that once you initiate that shot cycle. You, you've got to be super flexible. I mean, your shot cycle has to be quick. And when I say shot cycle, I mean like draw your bow, and from the time you make the decision to shoot until the time you actually execute the shot, you need to be able to back out of it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean like uh, because in that situation, you were like, okay, I'm going to shoot. And in two seconds' time, he moved, mm-hmm. you know, and you went ahead and shot, you yeah. know? Now, I think that I think that's just – learning being in bow hunting situations in archery and executing the shot mm-hmm. you know which is uh, and anybody could have made that mistake but yeah i think uh i i had been drawn back for a while i think that if i in You've the future been drawn like back for a long time if in the future like whenever i get an opportunity or i think i have one i think i'm gonna just you know if i'm drawn back for too much time just let it down yeah. and just reassess because you know what though that being said my strongest trait, I think, when it comes to actually taking an animal, especially with a compound bow, is knowing when to draw. Mm-hmm. And I, I love drawing before they get there. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I like doing what you did. Yeah. I felt like you did the right thing. Really? I mean, like, the bear was just at any second going to step into the correct shooting position. So mm-hmm. you were drawn and ready. Yeah. Now, once you start holding it for over a minute or something, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like, if you start to feel your body be compromised and, yeah. like, yeah, you should let you you can let down that situation. But like the biggest thing that I see people do is like a deer or bear is coming and they wait till it's in position to shoot before they draw their bow. Man, I draw. I'm not talking about like draw a minute before it gets there, mm-hmm. but I'm anticipating the shot, drawn and ready. And boy, when it steps to where I want to shoot, shoot. And that's probably more a whitetail thing because a lot of times they're moving and but. Uh, yeah. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna end this podcast. I hope that you've learned something here, and uh, yeah, you know, ultimately our goal is to make as many good ethical, 
quick killing shots as possible. And uh, bears are big, tough, unforgiving animals. But when they're hit right, they go down easy. And so, hey guys, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks and, for having me. And we're gonna have a, we're gonna continue. We're gonna have a few more podcasts that are kind of this style where we're just talking about a specific issue. But hey, keep the wild places wild. Why? Because that's where the bears go. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.